This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Get ready, Ohio. FanDuel, America's number one sports book, is coming to the Buckeye State. And to kick things off, you can get started with $100 in free bets as an early sign-up bonus. Plus, when you sign up today with promo code OHIOFD, you'll be all set when FanDuel goes live in Ohio. Then you can bet on all your favorite teams in all your favorite sports with $100 in free bets. Just download FanDuel's top-rated sportsbook app. It's safe, secure, and super easy to use. Ohio, this is your chance to get in on the action. Join today with promo code OHIOFD. Make every moment more with FanDuel, official sportsbook partner of the NFL. 21 or older and present in Ohio. Bonus issued in non-withdrawable free bets that expire seven days after FanDuel accepts its first real money sports wager in Ohio. one Unique user identity verification required. Offer ends on the go-live date. Restrictions apply. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Hi, folks. Welcome to another episode of Film Study. This is Ken McCusick. Joining today for the offense review of the second preseason game against the Panthers is Vos Laricos. Vos, did I pronounce your name correctly for the first time? Yeah, yes, you have. Not the first time. You, you've, uh, you, you've gotten it down by now. Vos, Vasilis, and that's the, uh, the abbreviation they like to call me by. Very good. All right, Vos, I'm, I'm glad we could pry you away from your crate videos. <laughs> what, what is up with that, huh, today? I mean, I just they're all over the place. If you're on Twitter, you can't avoid watching them, and you, you know, you can't look away either it's horrible yeah not my not my cup of tea i can't jump very high myself so 
<laughs> I think it's more about falling than jumping is what I see. <laughs> anyway, we'll get right to it here. Uh, uh, we should have a lot more fun talking about the offense this week than Sarah and I did last week after that offensive line debacle in uh, in P1. Uh, offensive line really looked pretty good, I thought, in P2. Uh, still kind of a limited playbook, though. I agree completely. It was a vanilla, kind of a workmanlike effort, but the offensive line certainly improved some stability there, especially on the right side. It's starting to come together a little bit with a couple weeks remaining. Yeah, I, 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 let's talk about the playbook first, because I thought that there's been questions in the mailbag, too, and we'll get to as many mailbag questions as we can, some of them during the show, about concern over the Ravens not pushing the ball down the field. And obviously, it's Huntley. It's not Jackson. It's some backup still on the offensive line, most notably McCarry at left tackle. And are you at all concerned about the Ravens' unwillingness to open the playbook, throw a few balls down the field? Not in the preseason, no. Not at all in the preseason. They don't want to tip their hand, certainly. They're going to save some plays. And it's going to be a work in progress. First week against the Raiders are not necessarily the, the top hard-hitting defense that you're going to need to be at, uh, in sixth gear for either. Yeah, hopefully, hopefully that's the case. Um, I, I, I can tell you I'm very tired of the boot plays. It's just boot after boot. And Josh Oliver's piled up some decent statistics from it. Not really, not really good statistics because he's not getting a lot of yards per target or a lot of yards per catch, either one. Uh, but he catches the ball at the line of scrimmage as that first option on the boot. You know, the way I always learned the play is you get outside the pocket and your quarterback is supposed to look from the furthest receiver in and not the closest receiver out. But it seems like everyone is going to the close receiver. Right, right. Uh, I think Oliver averaged 10 yards per reception, which is not great. Um, And, you know, without all 22, we can't necessarily see exactly what's going on downfield and how are the the receivers open or not. Uh, But... It's just kind of one of those games, and, and at this point, with your backup quarterback, you don't have your top three receivers or your tight end. You're just trying to get continue the win streak, really. And, and they, we've seen games like that in the regular season, too, where you do what you have to do to win. You don't necessarily have to do more. Yeah, uh, I, you know, I certainly agree with that philosophy. And this was a game where they dominated by any standard. I mean, they, they went 10-17 of 17 on third down. You, we really have to pick to find those minute little problems that were wrong with the Ravens' offense. And, you know, not taking chances, the other side of that is they had a lot of these medium-distance plays that grind out first downs and make the opponent want to cry on defense. Uh, and they won that second-half snap battle 43-15. to 15. Right, it was station to station, uh, pretty much, you know. And certainly in the second half, you saw that Panthers defensive front wear down. And there's no question that just the pounding and the, the, you know, five, four, six yards at a time took its toll eventually. Mm-hmm. Lots, of, lots of time in the pocket uh, when he stayed there for Huntley in this game. He really did have excellent time, I thought, to throw the ball. Uh, so there was the option to throw it down the field. We, you know, The other thing we really haven't seen is play action other than the boot. I guess the boot is play action because you always have a fake handoff that goes with that. But, but we really haven't seen any of the more standard play action in the pocket, turn your back to the field, or even the other mesh-type play action where, where the quarterback comes out throwing out of that. Sure, that's true, and they don't necessarily have the full complement of receivers who thrive in that situation. Um, I, I think you'd like to see that from Oliver, maybe, in this game, which didn't quite materialize. 
But I thought overall Huntley had a pretty poised game. I, th- I thought he fared pretty well. Yeah, I, 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 I do agree. And, and so just we're, we're making conversation about a game. There's not a lot to complain about, obviously. And the, and the playbook is something a lot of people had questions about. So I thought we'd try and address some of those things. Uh, but I basically agree with you that they're just keep kind of keeping a lid on the playbook. And, and in particular, Roman, because the, it's such a run-heavy offense, he really has to continually out-scheme the opponents. You can't just use the scheme that you had last week. You have to comp- continually surprise them with a player like Jackson, an offense that's, that you know, is, relies heavily on the run to, uh, uh, to beat the opponents into submission. So I, I understand it from him. I think if, if you were going to show anything, you might show more pass plays, give away a little bit of that, because I think there's still plenty that they haven't tapped at all in the passing game in the three years of Lamar Jackson. Oh, certainly. No question about it. But again, when, when you're working with a diminished crew, you don't have your full arsenal out there. And you want to make sure Huntley stays healthy, too, at mm-hmm. the same time. Yeah. I mean, after McSorley, you need Huntley to be healthy at this point. Big, big deal. I mean, you know, the, the winning streak in the preseason, I think, would be over if Huntley went down. Because Kenji Bahar, at practice, he basically doesn't even know the playbook. They have to kind of take him to the side after each play to tell him, no, you're looking for this and this and this. I mean, that... They would have easily put him in the game if he knew a little bit or had you know any reasonable number of reps at practice, but that that obviously had not happened. And he came in, got one hand off and two kneels, and he has his NFL experience, kind of like you know the Bahrainian ski jumper, you know, getting to walk in the Olympic parade at the beginning is is their Olympic moment. Sure, sure. He'll uh, tell his grandkids about that one. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> All right, well, let's move on to the offensive line. I, I, this was the highlight for me of this game, just some, some very fine surprises that really changed the profile of where the offensive line is in a big way. Uh, I guess we'll start with, with uh, the starters. McCary played three series at left tackle. Um, it's interesting because this is a sacrifice for McCary in a way. Uh, he played there and nowhere else, and, and uh He's a fighter, but he lacks the length. This is not a position where I think he gets any credit for the versatility to play. I think the most he can do is get you through the end of a game before you get somebody that week. Yes, I'd agree with that. McCary, he was serviceable, I guess. I, I know that he missed a pull block um, on a third down that ended the second drive, and he doesn't have the left. He does have pretty good feet. Um, he, if he is forced into action to tackle... I think you're really going to have to scheme some help for him. Uh, yeah, but he, but the versatility though, he's still a valuable player. Yeah, Ben Cleveland is a guy who can do that. But of course, the other teams know that you want to scheme help for him, and and they will absolutely bomb that B gap on that side if you do that. So they'll prevent a guy like Cleveland from making a help block and letting your center take the defensive tackle. Uh, you know. It, it, there's some skill there in doing that, but but you know if they if they bomb the B gap, basically McCarry's on an island, and they, and other teams will know how to do that. Uh, what I think is interesting to watch him play is that he is a flurry of activity and reactions to make up for his lack of length. And in fact, I think he often ends up leaning forward more than you see from other tackles because he has to kind of use his trunk length to make up for a lack of arm length when he's playing tackle. Sure, it makes sense, uh, but. I think as far as a seventh or, or eighth lineman, he does have some utility. I don't think you want him out there to tackle. You can get through a game like you mentioned if you have to. Uh, but on the interior, there, there are other teams that they wish they had a backup of his caliber. 
Yeah, I, I agree. And, and you know, he's, he can, I believe, serviceably play guard or center and in an emergency play tackle. So, you know, that's something. Let's let's move on. And I'd, I'd like to reintroduce the topic of who makes the O-line roster at the end of this. But mm-hmm. uh, but some definitely some changes. Powers, I thought an outstanding game at left guard. And he ended up playing five series. So I think it was the entire first half. He, um, I'd have to look at my chart here. But I think he, he played the entire first half. 34 plays. He had one charge. Uh, for a pass defense. And, and this was kind of a tough charge that I have in my system. If somebody else gets their hands up while you're blocking them and there's a PD and that's, this was the one that led to the interception uh, to edit the mm-hmm. first drive, then you get, a, you get a charge for a pressure. In that case, he shared it with one other player. Uh, but he made third out of, 31 out of 34 blocks, had four really nice highlight blocks, extremely physical run blocking game. The only place where I graded him down a little bit was I didn't think he pulled too effectively. He missed two pulls. And obviously in the Ravens' pull-heavy offense, that could be a problem. Yes, I noted the pulls as well. I also thought he had another pull where he paved the way for uh, for Gus to pick up a first down. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think that was late first quarter. Um, and later on, he, he uh, cleared a hole out for uh, Tyson Williams. Uh, the pass protection was much better. There was a pocket. <laughs> yes. so, uh, and he was a part of, of helping to create that pocket. Yeah, three three out of five on polls. Just to be clear, he didn't miss two out of two or anything. But mm-hmm. so, so it's, that's decent. But it's it's you know it's not exactly what you want. Uh, and and you know that's the concern. If they asked Powers to pull fifteen times a game, as they did with Bozeman, would it work uh, as well, or would he would would that end up being a weakness that other teams could figure out how to uh, how to beat, or that he would have to overcompensate for it in some way that would disadvantage the team. Anyway, point ninety three for Powers. Excellent game. Very physical. Lots of highlights. Much more detail in the article if you want to go there out there and read that. I think Powers. He's not the most consistent player. We can say that, but he does have games where he plays well. And I think some of the fan base are maybe a little bit too down on him. Everything has to be taken into context in comparison to the rest of the league, and there aren't great offensive linemen stacking the two deep for every team. That's right. Yeah. So it's, it, the Ravens are lucky to still have a competition this late in camp, and Powers really projected himself right back into the middle of that. I mean, I think uh, you know Phillips was a guy who who was getting more love this week before he DNP'd. Uh, as, a, as a guy who might be in the left guard competition, of course, everybody really wants Cleveland to take the job, but he's got to get on the field to take the job. So, you know, it's, it's great to have a player like Powers who can step up and will like it even more if somebody goes down during the regular season and Powers is there to take a spot. Sure. 17 game season. Let's not forget that. Yeah, there you go. Uh, Bozeman. And, and, and I like to talk about these three guys on the right together because having the starters together was just a complete difference. For 18 plays, it was just wonderful. And, and the offense, by the way, was terrible during that time. They turned the ball over twice. You know, they, they got stopped again on downs. But, but those three were, were, were very good. Powers wasn't perfect, but he played well. All the snaps were on target. You know, you basically no news is good news from center uh, as far as a blocking sheet goes. So I, I want to see a lot of ones with not a lot of explanation, maybe getting to level two occasionally. But, but basically, I want just a lot of ones with no explanation. Um, I thought the Zeitler, though, was really the glue that hold those th- held those three together. He just looked marvelous. Yes, I agree with that. Bozeman, I, I saw he um, hit a nice combo block on a duo concept, but Zeitler was definitely uh, just uh, stout, really, is the way to say it, I think. And I, I, I noticed he and Villanueva uh, effectively climbed to the second level 
Um, so I thought that was great to see. Yeah, so in, in, in the case of Zeitler, he was getting some good individual push, which is really nice to see in the run. I mean, we just haven't had that many guys. Cleveland, we, that's what we hope for from him is that he can push a, push a defensive tackle a little bit. But there aren't very many, uh, even guards in this league, who can do that very often. Zeitler is very um, anchory. He, he anchors extremely well uh, in pass blocking. We saw that, a little bit of reverse C action. So he's, he doesn't have to give ground often to maintain a good pass block. Uh, a lot of players, if, they're, if they don't have the proper length or they have other problems, they have to be con- constantly making adjustments, and it's usually a matter of giving ground in order to stay in front or mirror your opponent. Not the case at all with Zeitler. He looked terrific. The other thing you mentioned earlier was this climbing to level two concept. Most of that was down blocking by Villanueva, where Villanueva got to level two. And that, to me, was a big question mark about him, was whether he could be an effective player in space. And the Ravens don't ask too much out of right tackle, so it's not the end of the world. But he, he got to level two. He made some blocks. He did miss one in level two as well. But I thought generally he looked excellent. Yes, absolutely. Villanueva looks much more comfortable with that uh, right-footed kick slide in pass protection, I thought. And there's been some mixed comments, and apparently at joint practice he struggled a little bit. Uh, but it was he looked, he looked solid. He looked very solid. That's what... The whole goal was with these two veterans to bring some stability and in this game, and they're practicing together now, so we hope that continues. Yeah, a really, uh, really a good opportunity for continuity. Before we maybe get to the end of this, I want to talk about kind of the overarching theme for the offensive line this time, because the last time, last game, they played six different line combinations, and this time they played five. That's not obviously that big a difference, and especially when you consider it was fewer drives this week, you'd say, oh, that's about the same, no, no big difference. The big difference was this. The Ravens last week had eight different offensive linemen play two or more positions. McCary played three. Seven other guys played two positions. This week, no one played other than one position for this game. It's obviously a point of emphasis. You know, the, the coaches decided, probably Harbaugh, maybe Dallas Sanders with him, maybe Roman, and said, hey, look, we're not going to get our guys playing multiple positions. That's no way to build continuity. And I think they did a wonderful job. It really paid off in spades in the second game. Definitely, definitely agree with that. They should, if for the first couple of weeks in camp, sure, cross-train, see what you have, and then you settle in and hone your craft. And the more repetitions, you know, 10,000-hour theory, yes. I think that's uh, exactly what they should be doing at this point. I hope that, that they can find a spot for Phillips when he returns as well and, and let him master it. Yeah, we, I, we don't ever really talk about the 10,000-hour uh, theory, but talk about that in the Beatles. Uh, that's, right, that's always right. the one I hear it for, but go ahead. Well, Malcolm Gladwell wrote a book called The Outliers, and he gave the example, and the Beatles were one of the entire chapter. After 10,000 hours, you master anything, a pianist, a hockey player, a musician, whatever it is. And so it was, it was their 10,000 hours they spent in the Hamburg clubs and doing these five sets a day kind of thing that, yes. was, that was what contributed to that when these guys were, what, 17, 18, 19 years old, whatever it was. Exactly, exactly. All right. Well, let's let's keep going. Uh, Cologne is the next guy. Obviously, the first in at center after Powers. Uh, you know, I think he's played well enough to maintain his backup center role, and we have seen him play guard. So maybe he could he could help you out there too if you needed it. I'm not a hundred percent sold that the role is big enough that you have another guy who does that same thing after McCary. Where are you on that? Um. That's a good question, Ken. I, I, to be honest, I don't have a strong opinion about that right now. Cologne, I thought, was consistent. You know, he's a consistent snapper of the ball. Um, 
I think he could go either way. He's a he's truly a bubble player, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's uh, that's kind of where I see him too. Uh, one of the really pleasant surprises was Michael Schofield. Been around the league for a little while now, and he is almost 31, I believe. I believe he turns 31 in November. So this is not a young guy we're investing. You know, this is not the future of the Baltimore Ravens. This is the 2021 Baltimore Ravens that this guy will help. If things went perfectly and he was a good backup tackle and he, and he plays as well as he did last night and even in that first game uh, for the entire year, then I think you bring him back again. But, you know, he's not a, he's not a guy you're going to sign to a three-year contract after this year, in my opinion. Oh, no, no, no doubt. But I thought he, he I agree, he was uh, one of the MVPs of this game, in my view. And uh, when, I, when I saw that you uh, co-signed that, it gave me even more confidence in what I saw <laughs> on the field. I thought he held up very well. He did jump early once. Yep. He did draw a penalty. But other than that, he was, he was consistently blocking the man in front of him. Swing tackle is per- probably, at this point of the offseason, the most up-in-the-air reason for concern. And when you have a veteran, um, I believe he started at tackle uh, and then played guard for a couple years. But in this scheme, I think he can manage tackle. At least he did in this game. He gave you some signs that he could. Right. I mean, I thought I thought we saw a lot of the good sides. I'm going to go quickly through how I scored it here. 56 plays, first of all. I made 51 out of 56 blocks. One false start, as you mentioned. One pressure I scored him for. He made only one pull, made that. Didn't go to level two to make a block. And I'm honestly not that concerned about it. Um, what I did see, four highlight blocks at the line of scrimmage. Did a lot of very adept things in terms of passing off guys between him and the guard. Uh, and, and that guard was multiple people. So it was Powers at first, and then it was, was whoever else was, was at guard after him. But, but he did a, a really good job of, of adeptly passing people. And I thought also on run plays, he did a good job of making a second block that was in the backfield to cut off pursuit on run plays, which I really like to see. I love to see a guy who can get into level two and, and get after it like Ronnie Stanley can. But but Schofield probably knows his own limitations and knows his best chance to prevent pursuit is to get one of those edge defenders and kind of knock him off his pins a little bit. That could be the, the extra block that turns a 20-yard run into a 50-yard run if there's some maneuvering downfield. Yeah, he, he plays with the veteran savvy, I think, uh, comparing him to um, what was the offensive tackle two years ago that they – they, they released. He was a big project. Uh-huh. I think he ended up in Kansas City. Greg Sanat. Greg Sanat. Yes. So you're comparing Schofield, you know what he have. He's a known, mm-hmm. steady presence. Sanat has the upside, but I, you don't necessarily want to rely on him. I think the way this roster is constructed, I would prefer the veteran who can bring stability at this point. Yeah, and they, they may have an option right there as we as we get on down the line. Uh, one thing I really loved about Schofield, I don't think I said this also, mirrors extremely well. He plays like a left tackle, not a right tackle. And frankly, you don't have a backup tackle if you don't have another guy who can play on the left side. The Ravens may actually go into the season with three guys who can play on the left side with, with Stanley, obviously, Villanueva, and now Schofield. So that's, that's an exciting place to be. They've got those 34-inch arms. The Ravens love that. They always draft long-armed uh, tackles. By the way, that means it's not just me. I'm not the arm-like <laughs> Nazi. It's, it's actually the Ravens' way of, <laughs> of drafting, too, if you really look at who they've taken. Absolutely. You're right. I've seen studies on that. Um, Bredesen. Uh, I thought he, he stayed out of trouble. You know, obviously he remains on the bubble. Kind of not a great game for him in the sense that if Schofield and Powers play well as they did, that's going to make it less likely that he makes the roster. Yeah, I, I, uh, I'm bearish on his prospects to make the roster. 
I noted him. Um, he was bold on a drive-ending play at the end of the second quarter. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm wondering if he has any trade value. Um, and I'm not certain he does. Yeah, um, it, it it wouldn't be much. It'd probably be conditional, but because he's on his first contract, you know, may, you may get a bite. You know that that uh, there's there's somebody who who give a conditional seven, maybe on the outside a conditional six or exchange of a conditional six for a conditional seventh kind of thing. But right. uh, yeah, it, it's it's conceivable. Um, uh, you know, I, I I'm not going to bring up Michael Anwenu every time the rest of my life whenever I say Ben Bredesen, but this is another time where I'm going to do it, and, and then some point in the future I'm going to stop. So, <laughs> uh, but anyway, it was it, it was what it was. Um, it just uh, if I could just uh, open a moment more, I yeah. don't know what he, what value he's really bringing you, Bredesen, if you already have two other guard, three other guard, backup guards on the pecking order, and you yeah. already have two other centers, and yeah. I don't know if that roster spot is well used there. Well, that's that's a really good point, Voss, is that they if they really thought a lot of Bredesen and they said, okay, he should be up there with Kalina McCary, well, they should have him snapping at center. But if you're at camp, the only time he's snapping at center is when somebody's hurt, and then he's the fourth center. Right. So it's like it's not like he's really getting any opportunity to play there. So, uh, you know, if they, if they were really bullish on him, they would have had him doing some of that. Sure. Yeah. All right, let's move on. Tyree Phillips did not play. Uh, obviously, he lost some ground, too, in terms of his starting position. Uh, that left guard spot is looking still undecided, and um, it looks more to me like Phillips is a guy you really want practicing at tackle given what the Ravens now appear to have between Powers and Cleveland at left guard. I'd agree with that. I think if you... And then McCary can can take his reps on the inside. I mm-hmm. think that's probably going to be their best uh, best way to structure the two deep. Uh, that hinges on on Schofield, I think, a little bit. And he's now maybe becoming a a, a linchpin of the of the second team at least. Right. Yeah. I. I... I, I, it's going to be really hard to keep Schofield off this team at this point. I mean, he just he, it's a it's too important a position to be without. There's like none of this rare commodity around the league. By the way, you want to look for a guy who really has trade value. Schofield's probably it. He probably has some trade value right now. Maybe you get a five for him or a five for a six kind of exchange because tackles go for crazy value at the oh, end yeah. of camp after injuries. Uh, Okay, we were on Phillips, right? Right tackle. So Mance, I don't think we need to talk too much about him. Uh, he might play a lot in in P three. Certainly hope he doesn't get hurt, but he's not going to make the team. Uh, as an older guy, anything? Uh, I think he's a practice squad caliber player. Okay, so veteran, uh, you might keep him around for that. Andre Smith cut today. Uh, not sure why they waited after that first game, but he but he he stacked up another bad one in, in week <laughs> two, and he certainly deserved to get cut. I, I I really wonder what he was doing at camp. Andre Smith has made a lot of money at camp. Yeah. Uh, sorry, at, at playing football. Why do you come back? You've got a twenty five thousand dollar guarantee in your contract. Is that so important to you that you really need to try? And then after what's going on, do you, don't you go to the coach and say, hey, look, coach, this, is, this clearly isn't working out after one game. Would you like me to retire? Or could I say I retire now? I want to spend more time with family. Or I want to do this. I mean, it's just, I, I, that 25000 cannot be that important to him. Maybe the family didn't want to spend more time with him. <laughs> <laughs> no, 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 come on. <laughs> 
Yeah. I know. I agree. He really struggled. He he made me uh, miss DJ Fluker at times. So, yes. Uh, I, I, he yeah he was a top ten pick I believe I remember when he uh, signed a letter of intent to play at Alabama and he put the Bear Bryant houndstooth uh, fedora on his head uh, so he's been around a long time and and hopefully he's uh, he's he's got some money scored away that he that he saved. yeah I'm, I'm sure he saved a couple bucks but but the uh, the other the other thing was when the when the Bengals were on hard knocks and he was just signed and he had this. You know, kind of a, a slick hustler show up in a limo to sign his contract for him, and, and he obviously was kind of a rookie agent, you know, in terms of, of getting this done. And then he finally got his deal done, and he had this ridiculous workout videos that they were making fun of in the rookie show. I mean, it was just, it was a, it was a bad start for him. All right. Uh, Foster Serrell I uh, played some left tackle in the first week came back played guard this week didn't really play particularly well I had about five negative notes for him in this game uh, he, hopefully he gets an extended look in the finale you know you want to obviously play some players give have some snaps to have some players to play the snaps that will get you through that last preseason game yeah I had several negative notes for him as well um Potentially a practice squad candidate. I think the fact that he played exclusively a guard is a little bit telling, perhaps. Uh, but you know, you're going to need depth on the P squad for sure. Yeah, so I guess I guess that is possible, and he's certainly, as they always say in these games, trying to put some good tape on. You know, put some good all twenty two tape that nobody really has access to anymore. I won't be bitter about that. Uh, you know, <laughs> out there. <laughs> yeah. Very frustrating, by the way. Are you are you, are you guys as frustrated as ever? We down? are. We are. It's it's hard to do. It's hard to see. You don't. You know. You need. Mm-hmm. You need. The, you don't have the right angle. So. Yeah. It is what it is. Uh, you know. What can we do? I, I'm going to say I grew up in a world where you had to use the broadcast video before the L22 was available, and all of my old stuff is done that way. So I'm not like swimming in mud right now, but but I'm I'm a I'm a mudder. I'd have this asterisk on my uh, racing form as a mudder horse for this kind of uh, <laughs> this kind of weather. So I'm I'm uh, I'm not happy about it, but uh, but I will live with it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, uh, Ely. Uh, Adrian Ely, an interesting player here, played one series of tackle. He had three highlight blocks on his first three plays. Right. Uh, just outstanding physical player. And obviously having fun coming in and beating the crap out of some linemen who were tired out of their minds. Yes. Yeah, the last 11 snaps of the game, he got some good push in the run game, really held his ground in pass protection. Um, I think he's definitely a guy that probably has some uh, some practice squad uh, a future, and maybe that's why he didn't see quite as many snaps. Maybe they want to mm-hmm. keep his uh, ability under wraps a little bit. Yeah, it, it could be a stash player. I think this game is a little bit too much. Some other GMs are going to see this, and the, and you know, tackle depth being what it is across the league, you know, they'll, they're, they're going to be trying to find. I really wonder, and this has got to be a question: Do the Ravens try and keep Ely as the tenth offensive lineman, really, to keep a developmental prospect? He's obviously not going to be active on game day unless something happens. But do you, do you keep up a developmental player? You know, another possibility with him, boy, you wouldn't mind to have a really good IR case coming up from this final game and where you stash him for a year because he he's a ideal developmental lineman. Yes, certainly, certainly. Um, and I wouldn't be opposed to an extra offensive lineman on the 53. Mm-hmm. I think there's some other players probably that we're going to get to with these next few sections that, uh, you know, may be replaceable. Yes, 
Yes, I, I, I would agree with that. And they, they're going to they're have some really some roster machinations they have to do with all of the IR players, mm-hmm. the prospective IR players they have to get on the roster. Each one of those takes an offsetting cut of a veteran that they have to then re-sign. And I don't know that they have enough. You know, they have several players that fit into that category, but a, a player like Fort was probably one of them. A player like Richards was definitely one of them. And, mm-hmm. and they're both gone. And, and, you know, now it's down to Levine and maybe McPhee as potential solutions that, that, that they can cut a guy, not put him through the waiver process where another team could take him, and then re-sign him under a wink-wink deal that'll allow them to get another couple of players onto IR to start the year. Oh, yeah, for sure. It's, it's, it's going to be uh, interesting. Interesting. I wouldn't be surprised to be surprised. Yeah, this is, this is, uh, this is that kind of year, that's for sure. So let's see. I think we hit on everything here down to Ely. Why don't we move on to tight end? Uh, Josh Oliver had 10 targets in this game, 50 yards, I think, total. So not a, not an impressive yards per target number. A lot of that was the scheme uh, and those boot plays he was involved in. Sure. He had a drop um, where the ball was. He went up for the ball and couldn't quite come down with it right mm-hmm. at the first down marker. And then obviously he had the ball punched out in the red zone uh, when they were driving. So... I will give him credit. I thought he was physical after the catch, trying to gain extra yardage, so that was a good sign. But he's not necessarily been that seam stretcher, Hayden Hurst, big play type, at least in this game, that you want to see, I think, out of the third tight end. So it was a mixed showing. Not not, not terrible, but, but not as uh, as great as this, the yardage total maybe looks like. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, so that is a lot of yards and a lot of targets for a preseason game. Uh, it's really not that great a result. You know, they, to, to have him gone to that many times, the yards per target number, just not, not that impressive. I believe the Ravens get a draft pick back, and it might be a six if they cut him. I think it's either a sixth or a seventh, but they do get a draft pick back. So Ravens' tight end situation is tight right now. You know, they, they, uh, they're talking about having Nick Boyle back for the start of the year. We'll see if that happens. Um, but uh, it, it'll be interesting to see if they, if they decide Oliver is worthwhile. He's done some things as a blocker, so he hasn't been a total um, you know, washout or anything. I just think his receiving value has been grossly overstated for the last two weeks in terms of what he's really, what he's really doing on the field with that. Sure, uh, and uh, he wasn't necessarily a, at least in my notes, I didn't notice terrible run blocking success but I didn't see him generating very much movement either what did you mm-hmm. make of his run blocking I, I think it's been okay both weeks I mean first of all I don't think he had that many total run blocks um, in in either game so in let me just go and see what I've got here in terms of notes um, I don't have I don't have a negative note right here for 84. So I'd have to I'd have to come back. So I think I'm I'm like you that you know no news is usually good news on that. Mm-hmm. But I also didn't have him marked off for moving up to level two and making a good block either on any play. It doesn't mean it didn't happen, but I just don't have it. I was looking for it. I was I was really looking for his blocking, and it was just like you said, kind of nondescript. Yeah. All right, um, Tomlinson not nondescript as a run blocker or a pass blocker for that matter. I thought he's just looked great this uh, this preseason, generally speaking, as a blocker. Also, very nice to see him get two catches in a row uh, to end out the, uh, to, to, I guess, give the Ravens their final first down. It might have been, or if it wasn't, it was their next to last, but it was, mm-hmm. a, it was a, you know, two plays for 11 yards when they had a first and 10, and it, uh, it was just nice to see that happen. They were both contested catches. 
Um, he picked up, he uh, caught the ball in traffic and then evaded a, a, a defender. But his blocking was very, very, very strong. Mm -hmm. uh, he had the key block on the McCrary TV, TD. Um, and then he also, his down block was, was what allowed the fourth down conversion. I think he's an above average consistent blocker. Oh, yeah. And I think he really made a strong case um, in this game. He, he was one of the MVPs on offense, in my view. Yeah, I, I, I agree. I, it, one of the really big blocks on uh, on McCrary's RR9 on Q31122, he had a good block. Uh, 751, he had a nice block in level two on the touchdown. I think that's the one you mentioned already, right? Mm -hmm. He had a touchdown. So we have a fine day of blocking. Uh, oh, this was one of the really big ones. If you look at Q3156, I know these guys are tired, but he drove a defensive lineman five-plus yards on a run play. That is not supposed to happen. And, and when it does, you, you should really celebrate it in a very, very impressive uh, job by a tight end. By the way, that, he'll take a lot of grief in the film room for that by getting pushed around like by a tight end, <laughs> even though Tomlinson could probably play offensive tackle uh, in a pinch. Yeah, he's uh, he's Nick Boyle light in a way. Um, I, I I think he made a strong case for, and when you're comparing him to Ben Mason, for instance, I, I think Tomlinson might be uh, the better player to keep around if it comes down to those two. Well, let's talk about Mason since he's up next, and fullback and tight end are kind of very closely linked positions in the Ravens system. They effectively both play both positions. Uh, Tomlinson probably more likely to line up in line. Mason a little more likely to end up in the backfield. But Mason on the end of the line and Tomlinson sometimes in the backfield, both going to happen. Mason I had for four good blocking notes from Saturday. He does really look the part. And there is something that is that came out in the news today and something else that was, was getting me that makes me now more aware, maybe, of why the Ravens decided to draft Ben Mason. And the first is, is just looking at Ricard at camp. The guy slimmed down, and he doesn't look anything like what he used to look when he was a defensive lineman. So he, he is on the Ravens roster at 311 pounds. He hasn't seen 311 in a long time, but if you see him walk in profile with the offensive lineman, as you occasionally see coming back off a play or you know wherever he might be, one is this lean, tight end-looking guy, and that's Ricard, and you know then you have Bozeman walking next to him, who must outweigh him by 50 plus pounds at this point. Bozeman weighs about 325. I think Ricard is somewhere between 260 and 280 right now. Yeah, and coming off that hip surgery, which yeah. uh, which they they uh, was it the labrum, the hip labrum. Yeah, so played with a torn labrum. Right, uh, and he looked he looked good in this game. I, I thought he hit a nice couple of nice lead blocks. Mason, I noted for a good kickout block on one of the Williams runs. Um, so so are you saying that you think they would both be on the field at the same time, or? I, I think you could put them both on the field at the same time. Certainly there's heavy formations where they could both be on. But, but what I'm saying is not that. I'm saying I understand why they took him as more or less an insurance policy, that Mason was a guy, you know, they, they looked at their fifth round pick, they said it doesn't have that much value. I'm sure they probably could have gotten him as a UDFA, but with if the hip problem had been, you know, had lingered, and they obviously knew about it, they didn't tell anybody until today. Mm -hmm. um, so they would have had their option. And now I think it's a matter of, uh, ben Mason is the option a year from now, or Ben Mason is the option um, when, if or when Ricard were to go down this year. Yes, and, and I now that you explain that, I had the exact same thought. 
They, they knew about the hip surgery and they wanted some insurance. Um, Mason, I don't know. I mean, so you would do like an IRDTR or you find a spot for him? I guess you can't, because I was kind of thinking that maybe uh, an IR stash for the entire season for Mason. Yeah, I mean, that's that's a possibility. So him and Ely, because of the depth of this roster, you might really think about doing that. I think if you want to play an offense that has a fullback and you want to be sure it works out, you got to do one of two things. Um, you got to either put Mason on the practice squad and take the risk, or you got to be sure that someone like Tomlinson can take the role as the season moves on. I think, you know, then you're leaving yourself a little bit thin, potentially at inline blocking tight end if Boyle isn't. Uh, at the health level or at the ability level that it used to be. So, I, you know, there's risk in every direction, but I will say this. I don't think there's a huge risk that Ben Mason is taken by another team, uh, you know, because there just are not that many that use a fullback anymore. Everybody uses 11 personnel. Right. If there's about eight teams that roster a fullback, yeah. something like that. Yeah. Uh, it's a great point, and it's a great decision. Our minds are in, in sync on that one for sure. All right. How about uh, Tony Poljan has mm-hmm. been a player who's who's been interesting to me. Couple really good blocks, but they, he's playing way at the end of the game. You know, obviously he he doesn't really fit in their plans for this year. Probably a good practice squad guy. Um, he's he's a monster. He's six seven. I am shocked that he weighs only two fifty, mm-hmm. and it might be two fifty six or something. But but you know, it's not two sixty. He's got to outweigh Ricard at his size. Former quarterback. Uh, I had him for a seal block on uh, Williams' touchdown at the end there. Yep. And now we're playing musical chairs. So you wave Mason, try to get him on the practice squad, thinking Tomlinson can play fullback if necessary, and then you and you stash Poljan on the practice squad as as depth behind Boyle and Tomlinson as a blocker. Yep. I think either way, Poljan has earned earned a practice squad um, nomination. Right. And, and I'm afraid in inline blocking tight ends are one of those rare positional groups that people take off your roster. So it's a, it's a limited size and shape pool. There are just aren't too many guys who are really effective receivers at you know six six two sixty, and you know he be, him being one of those potentially. I think he'll he'll probably be snapped snapped up. Uh, and and the league right now is in love with twelve and thirteen personnel options. Uh, more than they're in love with any kind of 21 personnel option uh, right now. So I think it's more likely that, uh, you know, another team will pick him up as an inline option if, if the Ravens try and stash him. Makes sense. All right. Wide receiver, you want to move on? T- I tell you what, t- pick a player and we'll alternate this way. That's the way I've been doing it with past guests. You've been very accommodating. Let me pick the players all the way through. No, here. go ahead. Okay, well, let's go with Wallace because I think he probably was the most notable player in this game. Um, he had a nice, uh, went up for a ball and caught a ball that was a mm-hmm. little bit high. And then he had the nice uh, catch and run down the sideline where he broke a tackle. I think it was a 25-yard gain. Yep. Um, unfortunately, he also dropped the ball in the end zone, which was probably Huntley's best pass of the game. Um, so a mix showing. Um, I think he has a place on this roster, but I'm not sure he'd necessarily be a, a game day activation at this point with a healthy allotment of, of receivers. Now, he had four targets in the game, and I can visually remember three of them. So drop in the end zone, 
uh, high grab and step out of bounds on the right sideline, which I thought was really nice footwork and, and hands work, certainly to high point that football. It wasn't really a special catch, but I like, I like to see high pointing the football away from the body. Mm-hmm. That's what I really like to see. And then he had that catch and run down the right sideline, which I thought he left the leg really well that beat that corner or safety, whoever was the one who missed the tackle on him. So that was like 8 plus 17 on the, on the yak. He had a fourth reception. Do you remember where it was, or fourth target? He, he didn't, didn't catch the ball. I... Um, if my recollection, if my memory serves, I think uh, Huntley missed him in the seam. Uh, third quarter. But okay, I'll, I'll have me. to go Don't back and find that. that. No, that's okay. I, I want to go back and find it. And the reason is that going back to the, the heat diagrams of where his targets were from last year uh, in college, mm-hmm. he ran that right sideline mm-hmm. basically exclusively. And it, it, this was a game where he ran the right sideline pretty much exclusively. We'll have to see where that, where that last target was. I, I'm trying to now actually visually recall where he's been lined up. I know it's been mostly on the right, but not exclusively on the right, I don't think. That's a good question. Um, but there's certainly, yes, at Oki State, he was the right, um, and then it was the opposite, Diami Brown. Yes, Diami Brown, North Carolina was, the, was left. the left. <laughs> and, they were, and they were both kind of in range of the, of the two of them. So, uh, anyway. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, right now, uh, the, 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 the standpoint I made, or the, or the claim I made from a handicapping standpoint, is right now I take Wallace to have more receiving yards now this year than Bateman. Mm-hmm. Okay, you you agree? Is is Wallace the team's number one receiver right now? I mean, as of the players who've, who've actually played, I mean, Duvernay and Prochet right. have been on the field and they haven't been used. Right. Well, I guess of who's healthy. I mean, we don't know Hollywood and, and Watkins. They haven't even disclosed what the issue is. Um, he could be. He certainly could be. <laughs> Yeah, it's, it's a it's kind of a scary thought going into the season that that might be true, but uh, you know the Ravens are going to have to figure out how to make do with what they have. And obviously, Andrews is the number one receiver, and if if you count everybody, but uh, but yeah, it's an interesting interesting thing. I think Wallace is going to get some opportunity this year. Wouldn't surprise me if he tops three hundred yards uh, on the season, given that that it's going to be a while for Bateman to get back. He's not having to compete for that that X receiver spot. Um, uh, and you know he's he's a guy who uh, could have. If you're gonna if you're gonna build with rapport with Lamar, Lamar better know where you are. Mm-hmm. A lot of the times, I can't imagine anybody not knowing where Wallace is. <laughs> like, it's like if, any, if there's anybody you know, do you know where your kids are? Let me know. Wallace is ten yards down the field on the right sideline. So. <laughs> oh, that's funny. That's funny. Right. Yeah, good point. Well, especially with the way Duvernay and Prochet have uh, underwhelmed. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's been unfortunate. I'm mean, obviously Prochet Camp Darling, but uh, but you know both those guys are at three point five and three point seven yards per target. I, I was I was on the radio today, and and Rob asked me, you know, isn't isn't it really a scheme? And, and he's right. I mean, they haven't been throwing down the field, so you know, he he hasn't gotten the chances that Jalen Moore or Benjamin Victor have gotten on some longer passes, and, and maybe that will come. But in terms of separation, I just haven't been that excited by either of them right. getting enough separation to really command a target. I agree. Prochet, he uh, he has trouble on covering, even out of the slot. Um, Duvernay, I think, is an ideal wide receiver five, maybe, with mm-hmm. the returnability. He has some gadget plays. He can stretch the field. He's not a slot only. He can play some Y. Um, I'm sorry, some Z. Uh, so, but, you know, the camp darling, like you said, Prochet, 
just doesn't. I'm not sure what he really. I guess there's a mailbag question, so maybe we should save that. Uh, well, we'll we'll make sure we get to that in a minute here. Uh, want to move to running back? Sure. Who would you like to talk about? Uh, well, I thought Gus looked great. We'll start with Gus. Um, he looked great. Broke three tackles on that one run. Just the balance and the power that he runs with. Um, he's a pleasure to watch. But he seems. Josh actually made this point. Who I know you had on yesterday mm-hmm. when we were talking earlier today. He said. A lot of running backs. How's Najee Harris looking? How's J.K. Dobbins looking? Well, their blocking hasn't been good. It just made the point. For Gus, it doesn't seem to matter how good the blocking is. He just always gets yeah. it done. Yeah, that's that's a good point. I mean, pass blocking, Williams did not have a good night. He, he, he tried two cut blocks and missed them both. And that was pretty much it as a pass blocker that I scored. Uh, they, they both looked pretty bad. They both led to a pressure event. Uh, so anyway, it was, it was it was that part of his game needs to pick up. He needs to play bigger as a pass blocker, but as a runner, and and you know, frankly, also in terms of how he's grown as a receiver over the last couple of years, just love it. I mean, he's he's uh, his first three seasons have to be, if not the closest in terms of some kind of a similarity score metric that you would apply to them, they'd have to be among the two or three closest ever of running backs in NFL history. The way. Sure. He's yes. Born. Yes. Uh, he's consistent for sure. <laughs> All right. Um, uh, let's talk about uh, Tyson Williams because he obviously. Uh, I, I might have called Edwards Williams there. I'm sorry about that, but uh, but uh, that's not what I meant. We were talking about Gus Edwards, everything before. Tyson Williams uh, looked really good breaking tackles. Also three on that TD. That was a fun play to watch and rewatch. Yes, it was. Yes, it was. Great balance. Um, he also had another good play where he, he hit a cutback and then a nice stiff arm earlier in the game. He looks to be a decent uh, pass catcher, which I think certainly helps his case as he competes with Justice Hill. That's supposed to be Hill's claim. Uh, just a rugged runner. Um, looked pretty good on re-op, read option plays. And I noticed he had three special team snaps. Um and the one I saw, particularly, he was working as a jammer on a, on a punt, uh, punt return. Mm-hmm. Well, that's good. I mean, it, it, one of the problems for the Ravens coming up is that a lot of the players that they probably have to cut to get younger in the secondary, if they want to keep all this young, talented secondary, they have to cut a bunch of really good special teams players. Mm-hmm. And you hope that these other guys who are among the fastest players on the team, the new defensive backs, whether that's Wade, Westry, Stone, uh, Warrior, you know, Warrior's not going to make the team, but you know who I mean, Washington. Mm-hmm. Um, those guys uh, have to be good special teams players uh, in addition to the defensive value they bring as a backup. They can't be just a backup defensive player. That's not enough of a role. Uh, but, but the onus you put on your special teams coach to say, okay, Fort's injured, so now we're going to cut Richards, which they did today. We're going to cut Levine, which they might. And we're going to cut uh, Hill, who's your best gunner. You, you figure it out. And they cut, <laughs> I mean, and they cut Harris, too. They cut the Harris. Harris. And he got picked up. He got snapped up right away. Yeah. And so they'll, they'll, what they would say is, we, we spent a couple of million on board, you know, build your unit around him. And I guess they could do that. But, uh, you know, he's a, he's a run and tackle guy. I don't mm-hmm. think he's the guy that's going to align the team the way that Fort or Levine did. And that's really where I'm kind of worried about this, uh, this special teams units. I think, I think they're going to find a way to have Levine ready for week one, whether he's on the 53 yeah. or not. 
he just has too much um, leadership quality. Locker room presence, I think he's kind of the, the rock of that unit. Co-captain for a reason. Yeah, and, uh, it, you know, one of the funny things about that we, we talked about the defensive show a little bit was Levine is getting a lot of time on the back end at safety. That is really time wasted where somebody else – I mean, Levine, Levine will never play there during the regular season. Why not try somebody else out there? Ardarius Washington, give Brandon Stevens some extra reps on the back end. Whatever you have to do, uh, maybe more st- even even more stone reps would be mm-hmm. fine. But you got other guys uh, who also play safety, kind of in a way. There's no reason for Levine to be be taking snaps from them during the preseason. I agree. I wonder if Welsh and Levine might be competing against each other at this point. Yeah. Uh, Welch could definitely be a special teams leader over the next couple of years. Definitely a guy they really relied on at the end of last year. And uh, he's the fourth inside linebacker now, so I think he's in less danger. He really he, he kind of inherits Fort's role in a way as the fourth linebacker. But, you know, the Ravens have left themselves now with basically no one at the inside linebacker position that I trust at all to cover. Fair point. Fair point. Um, you know, maybe it forces them into more dime, which I think is probably a good thing. I, th- <laughs> I definitely think it's a good thing. I also think that's probably an area where DaCosta is going to be monitoring cuts from other teams very closely. Because even if Welsh makes the team, you still need to have an inside linebacker on the practice squad in case of emergency. And 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 a getting a coverage guy. Not not, a, not every team values a coverage from an inside linebacker. Uh, the way that the Ravens would, um, but but there are you know a lot. Every team really needs it. Even the committed nickel teams all need to have that guy as the guy who comes in on third team, third down. The, the the dime teams are are less needy of it. You know, this is another place where having the green dot on Chuck Clark means you can play as much quarter as you want to too. So it really gives Martindale the option to get better coverage guys on the field, including seven defensive backs when he wants to. Sure, that's the uh, the way of the future. More and more teams are having a safety where the dot nowadays. Yeah. All right. So we went. We talked a little about Tyson Williams. Excited about him. I don't see how he doesn't make the team, uh, but it does mean cutting Hill, and so it's going to be. A, that'll be a. a, a a tough cut, but I think it probably has to happen. I think if you cut Tyson Williams at this point, he gets he gets snagged. You think he gets snagged? Yeah. I'm not sure if he gets snagged. I, th- I could see a team like the Rams maybe because they lost Akers. Um, I, I, would, I don't know. It would be a roll of the dice for sure. Maybe I ask the question this way. How many – what would be your over-under on how many weeks you can keep Tyson Williams on your practice squad? Because running backs get injured as the season goes on. So that, oh, that, yeah. that depth is a, a league-wide is a moving target, and your, your practice squad comes under pressure. So, I, I, you know, even if he, he made it past the initial cut down, if you could get him from August 31st to September 1st, okay, maybe you can do that. But, but once September uh, – 28th comes along and there's three running backs league wide who've already been lost for the season and four others that have been lost for you know five weeks you know i i just think that he's taken no i'd agree with that i would say maybe if you're looking to how do you get four guys on irdtr and you only have mm-hmm. three vets um that can that you can do a wink not deal with maybe you you get cut you go down to two running backs for two days right and, and then we sign them Okay, so you got, they got some people who they would try that with. Maybe Christian Welch is also another guy that they say, okay, well, we, we just have to take the chance. We can find another inside linebacker of the approximate quality, maybe not quite as good, but we have to take a chance on getting a guy onto IR. Right, right. Yeah. All right, Nate McCrary uh, ran effectively at a time when everybody knew it was coming. Mm-hmm. 
he was impressive. I thought he played well, balancing power, um, had a nice jump cut to pick up a first down. He's a little bit shifty, made somebody miss after a dump-off pass. Um, I thought he played pretty well. I, I think he's a, a guy that was like a practice squad caliber guy. When you need that depth later in the season, you could probably call on him. Yeah, so you're, you're thinking not a practice squad guy to start the season necessarily because you really only have room for maybe one running back on the practice squad. And then he, you, you, you bring him in at some point after that. Is it even possible Justice Hill makes it through to the practice squad? Uh, potentially, potentially. I really haven't taken a close look at all the depth charts. I know a lot of teams drafted running backs this year, and a lot of times running backs flash maybe more than other positions in the preseason, and it's not a, it's not like an offensive tackle or something where they're, 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 there's a plethora of running backs. Um, so, I don't know. That's, uh, that's why they paid the cost of the big bucks to figure out these puzzles. Right. That's a, it's a it's really an interesting one because I think, you know, Hill now with his current skill set and what he's done, he's fast, but he really hasn't done anything well except play special teams. And I don't think that there are too many NFL teams that say, yeah, I want that guy just to play special teams. Let's bring him in. Right. There might be somebody, you know, the Chiefs in week two who might say, yeah, bring Hill in. I want the Ravens special teams playbook. I want the Ravens' <laughs> offensive playbook. I, I could sure. see that happening. And for that reason, I'd rather kind of trade him essentially for a conditional seventh-round pick if it could be done, one where the condition was too high to actually trigger to the mm-hmm. NFC, where you're not going to face the team this year and, and you know, Hill doesn't give away your, uh, your special teams playbook. Sure. I wouldn't be surprised if Hill makes it through. Just scanning other teams, a lot of teams have a – a Tyson Williams kind of guy that's stepping up in the preseason, and and they're and that's who all the B writers are writing about too. So, it uh, I don't know. It's going to be interesting. All right, fair enough. Uh, I'll tell you what, QB. Is there much we need to talk about Huntley and why you do? I'll go. I'll go to the mailbag and try and get these questions ready to go. Sure, just quickly on Huntley. I thought he played with good poise. Um, I thought he was. He does a good job of avoiding negative plays. So he wasn't under pressure, under duress all game long, but on the few occasions where he was, he was able to avoid the sack or get the ball out quick or hit a dump off as he was being pursued. Um, he had a couple of nice scrambles, speed to the edge. Um, I, I think he's a capable number two. I really do. I, I wanted. I thought he. I preferred him to McSorley before this preseason, mm-hmm. and I think it's a seamless transition. He's not Lamar. But he can get you through a game with uh, he can if you hit a deep ball or two and use his legs and use the rest of the the, the running scheme. Obviously, he can um, he can win you a game or, or close out a game for you if you need it. If you have to go to him for an extended period, you're not going to like that. But that's the nature of of the second backup quarterback on on almost every team. Yeah, I, I agree. I think he is a guy I, I would be okay with if the Ravens had to go to him for two games. Mm-hmm. And that's about as much as I'm going to be comfortable with any backup quarterback. If the guy's got to start six games for you, well, your season's probably shot anyway. But if if uh, if you had to go to him for two games, the Ravens defensively obviously still look extremely good and extremely deep. And uh, he might be the kind of guy who exactly matches your offensive scheme and can help the rest of your offense, you know, get through a game, manage your way through it and, and and uh, and get a couple wins out of four, say play five hundred ball while your while your quarterback's out. Sure, that's been the 
Traditionally, when the Ravens have to play backup quarterbacks, it's the mobile guys. They just always give them trouble, and they kind of give you that curveball. And I thought he—he—he's a you know inconsistent passer of the football, but he had he made some nice throws. So I, I'm comfortable with him as a two at this point. All right, let's go to some mail, more mailbag questions. Here we've got Zach Weinberg uh, says, "Do you think Cleveland still has a shot at the opening day left guard job if he gets back soon enough?" Uh, to play a good half against the Washington football team, or has he just missed too many key reps at this point and will have to just wait for his opportunity? Um, if he could play a full half, I think I think he could still uh, start week one. I do. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, he, it's not like he's been hurt the entirety of, of uh, OTAs and everything else here. He, he should know uh, what, what, what to do. Yeah, it's it's interesting. I think this will be the most closely guarded secret as they approach game time. You know, and the most popular guy in the in, on the whole team is the backup left guard, right? But, you know, <laughs> so, you know, they're going to be going through to that opener, and and Harbaugh will will say nothing about whether it is going to be Powers or Phillips or Cleveland or even somebody else like maybe McCary. Um, he will say nothing, and it will drive people nuts into that's all they're talking about. And it'll be one of these things where I don't think we're actually going to find out until the offensive line goes on for warm-ups an hour or so before the game. Mm-hmm. Uh, Harbaugh might uh, use a decoy for warm-ups, too. <laughs> that would be good. <laughs> I don't, I, I've never known him to try that. Usually, as soon as Zrebeck or one of the other beat guys reports the warm-ups, I know, okay, that's the starting line and whatnot. But, but that would be fun. <laughs> Try to do that this year. <laughs> All right, Evan Jones asks, is Prochet all cherry, no cake, to quote Sarah Ellison? <laughs> uh, I think he might be all cake, no cherry. Um, I, to, to use that, uh, that phrase, he's, to me, he's organizational depth. Mm-hmm. He's, he's a player where I think if you're tight on IRDTR spots, you can take that chance to, uh, to push him through and see if he makes it and maybe you bring him back. Um, th- there's there's nothing special about him uh, besides his hands. So I don't think there's a lot of other teams clamoring for, for that skill set necessarily. Related question here. Proche has gotten a lot of hype during the training camp, and he hasn't been targeted much during the two preseason games. I think he's actually had a fair number of targets. They just haven't mm-hmm. been for many yards. Two targets per game, totaling 14 yards. Is he not getting open, or what do you think is going on? Um, it's not a matter of not being on the field much. He's been on the field like 67 or 66 snaps between the two games because one of them, Prochet and Duvernay, have almost exactly the same statistics. And uh, uh, it's really uh, it's tough to see because the guys who are good hands guys who don't really separate that well have an enormous advantage when they're playing in camp against their own teammates. Mm-hmm. They don't get the kind of physical ball separation skills of Marlon Humphrey or these other big physical corners and safety who are trying to jack them in the ribs. They, they, you know, they have all day to catch the ball, and a lot of the balls go right into the bucket, and the corners are say, lay off your teammate. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. He doesn't necessarily have the size to be a contested catch um, kind of guy. My colleague Jake compared him to Kamar Aiken a little bit, but uh, but he's not as big as Aiken. Mm-hmm. Aiken was, uh, and we saw last year, he was targeted three times and two of them were intercepted. Um, he, he just, I think he's a good player. I think the, the team loves his work ethic and his character and, and 
he'd be a great guy to have as as the as one of the receivers on the team or or like I said, organizational depth. But he's not. He's a six round pick. I don't think he's has you know. Where do you, Where do you place him relative to Miles Boykin in terms of a roster spot? I mean, it's so hard to say with Boykin's injury coming into this camp. I vote for Boykin because mm-hmm. I I value diversity of skill set, and when he can only play in the slot, and you have six other guys that can also play in the slot, I don't know what value that really adds. A great point. Stable full of slot ponies. It was more true last year. They did get some bigger receivers with Bateman and Wallace added this year, but but and Watkins for that matter. But it's a, it's a stable of slot ponies still in terms of what they have. And if if you look at Boykin's injury and you really believed he'd be back by opening day, I think you know you can make the claim that he's the number one X receiver again. Uh, you know, it's it's uh, he's a guy who obviously is going to give you the blocking you want in the run game no matter what you think of how he might be as a receiver. And I think he gives you more as a receiver than most people give him credit for. He is he has real separation ability. It's just the pocket's got to be kind of extended. And sometimes that, that happens for Lamar. And, and I think Boykin still has some of that value as both a security blanket, blanket and, a, and a deep threat. So I'm, I'm more excited about him than other people are. I, I, I know there's a lot of people who have already got him cut out of town here. Yeah, and there's a lot of people that are fitting Prochet for a ring of honor. Um, yeah. So we'll see what happens. I just, Watkins probably can do more damage in the slot. Bateman can probably do more damage when he, when he returns. Hollywood's probably better in the slot. You have tight ends. I just don't, if you have, it's almost the same argument as Bredesen. You know, if you have other guys that are better and your title roster spots, I don't see why you would uh, sacrifice something else you need to keep pushing. Yeah, I mean, we'd, we'd have to kind of go over all the guys who the Ravens just, there's no way they can't find a roster spot for this receiver. It's always a wide receiver, by the way. <laughs> uh, you know, right. with White and, uh, you know, all, all of these guys through the years. I'm not, like, I don't want to even play this game because I'd lose, I know, if I play against you in terms of uh, naming one receiver from the past. It was a camp, darling. Uh, <laughs> it's, uh, White it's, was a good one. <laughs> yeah. um, let's, let's talk a little bit about, uh, okay, we got a question I think we've answered already. Curious what you think of Oliver's blocking ability so far. Also curious what you've seen out of Mason, if you think he'd be safe on the practice squad, like we said a few teams with a with a uh, a, a rostered fullback and uh, what you do with Ricard otherwise okay I think we're good on that one if Boyle stays on PUP I assume Tomlinson is on the 53 but what if they put Boyle on IR for three weeks especially with roster needs in other areas so this is that's a really complex one to get accomplished I think if he stays on PUP and as long as they don't activate him off that, then he can be used effectively as a midseason replacement. But I don't remember what the rule is, how many weeks he needs to stay out. I think it's, is it six or eight? It's either six yeah. or eight. I don't so remember exactly. That is a big commitment if they have to wait eight weeks. I can see why they want him back at the, at the beginning of the regular season. But what that probably means is slip him onto the roster through the back door, IR him, re-sign your wink-wink player, and then you do without him for at least three more weeks. It's still, you know, all of the options are difficult to engineer at this point with the Ravens have a a limited number of players that they can really play the wink-wink game with. Yeah, it's, I mean, without knowing the medicals of Boyle, it's really hard to, to answer this question. But either way, you need, if Boyle's not ready, you need Tomlinson week one. I mean, he was, you know, 
accountable for m- most many of the better run plays of, of this game. And I, I don't. I agree. Missing uh, Boyle for the first six weeks or two months of the season would be tough, especially when you're talking about the pass protection wasn't what it was last season. Well, you lost Ronnie, but you also lost Boyle. That was a big part of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, they really had to redesign that offense without Boyle and figure out what to do with that fifth eligible receiver spot. It's like they didn't they didn't really know. So they could use a sixth offensive lineman. They use a tight end some. You know, they, they, they really had a lot of trouble. They played some pony, you know, down the stretch mm-hmm. and, uh, you know, tried a lot of things to figure it out. Got one more question here, also from Try Kindness at Try Kindness Today. Great Twitter handle there. Uh, who are your OL on the 53, assuming no new signings? We should have done this already earlier, so we should get to it right now. Uh, and do we do I see an OT signing? I'll answer the first, the second part first, and say I think they've got the OTs they need on the roster now with the play of Schofield. I'd agree with that, and uh, there's not a whole lot of quality OTs that other teams are just offering up either. Yeah. How about your 10? Uh, let's let's talk your way through it. Who do you got? Uh, okay, so obviously Ronnie, Powers, Bozeman, Zeitler, Villanueva, mm-hmm. McCary, Schofield, Cologne, uh, Phillips. Cleveland? And Cleveland, yeah, that's 10. Okay, that gives you 10. And then, so you're going to you're gonna cut Ely and you're going to cut Bredesen. Or you're going to IR Ely. <laughs> um... I think you I are really. Okay. I, I, I think he'd be lost too. It would be nice to have him be able to practice with the team for the whole year. I mean, that could really be a, a big benefit mm-hmm. from having him on the practice squad. But, uh, but yeah, it probably is one of those cases where you'll lose him if you do that, so you better, you better IR him. Mm-hmm. Um, hopefully there's a, there's a hangnail there, a moria phlebitis or whatever it might be to, that'll be kind of... Don't find something. something. Yeah. Nobody's healthy this time of year. <laughs> <laughs> oh, the camp. Oh, it's been a nightmare. <laughs> okay. So, but you're keeping 10 offensive linemen, and I think that makes sense because it's, it's really, um, it's, it's nine to make eight. Sorry, wait a minute. No, it would be 10 to make eight if you got 10. So there is an, there's an argument for keeping only nine offensive line, but I think they probably will keep 10. And if they do that, let's go through the math a little bit. If they keep two quarterbacks, that's 12. They keep six wide receivers, that's 18. Um, Three running backs we're going to start with, and we're not going to call Mason or Ricard a running back. Mm -hmm. That's 21, right? And then they would be able to keep three tight ends still if they want a 26-24 split or four tight ends if they want a 25-25 split or another wide receiver. It would be also a possibility. Yep, yep. Okay. And in truth, they probably play some games with basically no wide receiver standing at this point. Are you are you all concerned about the systemic nature of these potentially systemic nature of these wide receiver injuries? It's it's interesting. They come in bunches. That's what you don't want. You don't want the same you know the same position. Obviously, Saunders had really seemed to improve a lot of these soft tissue injuries mm-hmm. and. Unfortunately, this year, uh, but I don't know. It, it's hard to know how healthy is Hollywood. Are they, do they have him in bubble wrap? Could he have been practiced? If this was the regular season, would he be suited up for this game? Watkins, I tend to think, probably could have fought through it. Mm-hmm. But with his history, who knows? If you have Watkins, Hollywood, and Andrews 
as your three primary receivers in week one, I think that's a pretty solid crew. Yeah. And, uh, you know, you don't want those guys playing every snap, but they won't. You know, they'll, they'll play a lot of other personnel groups that will get them through that. Voss, always a pleasure to talk football with you. I just love having you on the show. The time flies by an hour up around an hour and eight minutes, and then commercials will get added and we'll be at an hour and 18 minutes or something. But uh, it's just it's too fun and organic conversation with you every time you're here to try and cut it short. And I really appreciate you coming on, buddy. Absolutely. My pleasure, Ken. Great to talk to you. I think we got you on either two or three times more during the season, one or the other, maybe two. Um, and really looking forward to those, uh, those as well, of course. Likewise, definitely. All right. Uh, anything else you need to plug for B-Town? Uh, no, we're, we're just cranking out the, uh, the, pre, the lead up to the season. Really looking forward to it. My Twitter handle is at Vasilis Beatdown, V-A-S-I-L-I-S Beatdown, co-managing editor at Baltimore Beatdown. Uh, please check out our blog. Yeah, so we've had Kyle Barber on for a lot of the Camp Note shows. We'll have him on for a regular season show as well. That's been a lot of fun. Uh, good relationship with the Beatdown mm-hmm. people. I appreciate that, guys. Uh, My pleasure. Want to want to tell people we've got the concerns series out there right now. A little shorter content episode episode content for you. Uh, they're usually fifteen to twenty five minutes. Sometimes I get carried away, like I'm talking to somebody like Voss, and we and we just talk football for thirty five minutes when we should be doing it for fifteen. But give them a shot. There's some excellent ideas and and. Football fans are never happy unless they're complaining about what's going on with their team. This is all the most minor possible problems <laughs> that, a, that a really good football team can have. So it's, so it's great stuff. Worried about the long snapper? Well, yeah, it's, it's not quite that bad. But, you know, some, some things that got answered kind of last night, like the left guard or do the Ravens really have enough speed in the secondary when, you know, they've got nine cornerbacks to choose from pretty much at this point. So it's, it's great stuff. I've really enjoyed doing the series so far. Voss, thanks again for being on. Thank you. And we'll talk to you next time on Film Study. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.